0: We do use wisdom when speaking to people who are mature in their faith, but it isn't the wisdom of this world or of its rulers who will soon disappear. We speak of God's hidden and mysterious wisdom that God decided to use for our glory long before the world began. The rulers of this world didn't know anything about this wisdom. If they had known about it, They would not have nailed the glorious Lord to a cross. But it is just as the scriptures say, what God has planned for people who love him is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard. It has never even entered our minds. God's Spirit has shown you everything. His Spirit finds out everything, even what is deep in the mind of God. You are the only one who knows what is in your own mind, And God's Spirit is the only one who knows what is in God's mind. But God has given us His Spirit. That's why we don't think the same way that the people of this world think. That's also why we can recognize the blessings that God has given us. Every word we speak was taught to us by God's Spirit, not by human wisdom. And this same Spirit helps us teach spiritual things to spiritual people. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, like you, I I find that there are uh, a couple of levels that you process your Christmas break at, depending on whether you're at a party or at a quiet lunch. Uh, If you're at a party, someone says, how was your break? You say, fine. And that's, that's very appropriate for a party. But what I find is that if I have the privilege or the opportunity of sitting down with someone and hearing a little more about maybe how their, their break was, often I'll get one of two conversations. One will be, you know, it was good, got to be with my family, but I realize they just don't know me that well. That's a, a common conversation I, I have. Then the other one is, uh, you know, it was good, got to be with lots of people I care about, and I uh, went to a lot of fun things, went to a lot of gatherings, but, but you know, I, I'd leave the Christmas party, and somehow I would feel lonelier than when I got there. I've heard that a number of times this Christmas and many Christmases. We all want to know, and we all want to be known we might call that a longing for intimacy. We're hardwired for it. Not only with other people, we're hardwired to know God, too. And that loneliness that we can feel sometimes on a family vacation or even at a good Christmas party reminds us that our deepest hunger for intimacy is with God. J.I. Packer uh, begins his uh, classic book, Knowing God. He doesn't begin it, but he says this early on, this paragraph. He says, what are we made for to know God? What aim should we set ourselves in life to know God? What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, John seventeen three. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Jeremiah 9.23 What of all the states God ever sees man in gives him most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, says God, Hosea 6.6. Once you become aware that the main business that you're here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. And I, I think that is just a beautiful, beautiful truth that I think Christians will resonate with. That if you are knowing God, if you are moving into an intimate relationship with him, if you're expanding in your knowledge of, of who he is and his ways, other things fall into place. You begin to understand where you fit in the story. You begin to understand your identity. You begin to understand your mission. Things just sort of start to work their way out. And when I think of uh, the year that we have ahead, uh, I think I want nothing more than that we might grow in our knowledge of God. Because as we do that, as you and I do that, we will then discern what we're supposed to be about in the world. Now, Adam and Eve knew God in the most intimate way possible. When they sinned, uh, though, they lost that intimate knowledge of God. Sin blocks the capacity to know God. And then the Bible is fond of using metaphors like... uh, uh, light in darkness, then, to talk about the world. Uh, John's Gospel opens, the light shines in the darkness. So sin has put us in a place of spiritual darkness. Sin has kept us from being able to know and commune with God. Thankfully, God has come into the darkness, revealed himself so that we might know him. And last week we talked about one way that he does that. We called it general revelation. We said God speaks to us through conscience and creation as a way to reveal himself. But we also said that wasn't enough, that creation and conscience were enough to let us know that there was a God, uh, that we would like a relationship with him, that somehow we're estranged from him, but that creation itself, conscience itself, wasn't enough to show us how to have that relationship with God. So God talks another way, and sometimes we call it special revelation. First, he gives his Son to reveal the nature of the Father. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1, 1, Long ago, in many ways and at many times, God's prophet spoke his message to our ancestors, but now, at last, God sent his Son to bring his message to us. So, God is revealing himself to us by sending his Son, but that's not all. The Father also sends the Spirit so that we can continue in an ongoing relationship with the Father that the Son made possible. Paul prays for this in Ephesians 1, 17. I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you His Spirit. The Spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. So see, all the members of the Trinity are involved in this business of revelation. All the members of the Trinity uh, have a role to play in helping us recover that lost knowledge of God. The Father sends the Son to reveal God, to die, to rise again, to make it possible for us to be reconciled. The Father sends the Spirit, then, to continue the conversation, to continue to commune with us. But how does that work? I mean, we're saying that the Holy Spirit helps us know God. That's a pretty big statement. If you buy into the first thing I said tonight, that the most important thing in life is knowing God, knowing your place in His mission and His purpose. That's the most important thing in life. And and then if we're saying the Holy Spirit is God's gift to help you do the most important thing in life, how does that work? Well, a passage that addresses that question is the one that Austin just read from uh, 1 Corinthians. And the Corinthians, of course, were Greeks, and they were very impressed with the wisdom of their philosophers. Uh, they loved rhetoric. They loved spellbinding speakers. They loved eloquence. And if you've read Corinthians lately, one of the, or ever, one of the things you probably picked up was, Paul's on the defensive because they think he's a lousy preacher. Read it. You'll see it. They're not impressed with the way that he speaks. He doesn't have the rhetorical flourish of the greats that are wandering around that, that Greek city. And not only that, they're not impressed with his message. They think the gospel is kind of foolish. Uh, they, th- they think it's kind of stupid. Paul says in, in chapter 1, verse 22, Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to the Gentiles. So he's a little bit on the defensive here and he's saying, I know you guys don't like my preaching. I know you can get better orders down the street, but here's what I'm saying to you. I know you think what I'm saying is foolish, that it's that it's a stumbling block. But it's actually the revelation of God by the spirit. Well, he begins the chapter, chapter two. By saying this, he says, friends, when I came and told you the mystery that God had shared with us, I didn't use big words. I didn't try to sound wise. In fact, while I was with you, I made up my mind to speak only about Jesus Christ, who had been nailed to a cross. first, I was weak and trembling with fear. When I talked with you or preached, I didn't try to prove anything and sound wise. I just let God's spirit show his power. That way, you'd have faith because of God's power and not because of human wisdom. And then, in this wonderful passage that we're going to look at tonight, Paul says, we are preaching wisdom, you know. But it's a different kind of wisdom that you find in the world. It's a wisdom that you can only receive by the Spirit. Let's look at what he says. Verse 7, we speak of God's hidden and mysterious wisdom that God decided to use for our glory long before the world began. He says, I, I, I know, I've read the philosophers, I'm trained in, in argument, I'm even trained in speaking, I hear their arguments, but let me tell you something. What I'm bringing to you as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as a minister of the gospel, is a mystery. It's, it's a secret It's truth that you can't figure out on your own. And then verse 8, he says, The rulers of this world didn't know anything about this wisdom. If, If they had known about it, they would have nailed the glorious Lord to the cross. Hey guys, even the smartest people of your world totally missed this. The most powerful, brightest people of your world didn't get it. And then he says, actually, this was prophesied. And he paraphrases a a passage in Isaiah. He says, it was just as the scriptures say. What God has planned for people who love him is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard. It's never even entered our minds. I want to think about that prophecy for a moment. Because I think it tells you something important about knowing God. God has a plan, he says, for the people who love him. God is on a mission in the world. God is doing something in the world to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. He wants you to be a part of that mission. That's your purpose in life. Each one of you has a unique role in the mission of God. He has known about your role from before the creation of the world. And until you know him, you'll never even think of it. It's a secret. How do we find out this plan? Through God's Spirit. Verse 10 God's Spirit has shown you everything. His Spirit finds out everything, even what is deep in the mind of God. I love that picture. I mean, God is deep enough, but now we're going deep into the depths of God. And Paul says that deep in the heart of God, buried in the heart of God, hidden in the heart of God, there's a word for you. There's a story that you're supposed to be a part of. There's a story that will unlock the meaning of your life. And he's going to let you know what it is. And Paul uses an illustration. He says... You're the only one who knows what's in your own mind. God's Spirit's the only one who knows what's in God's mind. But God has given us the Spirit. That's why we don't think the same way the people of the world think. That's also why we can recognize the blessing that God has given us. He says, look, you know your own heart. No one else does. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of the Lord. No one else does. Every word we speak was taught to us by God's Spirit, not by human wisdom. Now, I don't think Paul is talking there just about Christian conversation in general. Remember, the whole context of this passage is he's talking about the gospel, the wisdom of the gospel, the secret of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. I think what Paul's talking about here is when he comes and preaches the gospel in the name of Christ, the Spirit is inspiring him. And of course, when we write down the inspired words of the apostles, we have Holy Scripture. What Paul's talking about here is the creation of Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspires the apostles to reveal the deep mysteries of God and then preserves them in Holy Scripture. Peter says that's what happened in the Old Testament. He says in Second Peter one twenty, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's what we're saying. The Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God to his people by inspiring the apostles and the prophets to write Holy Scripture. But there's one more truth in this passage. Look at the last line. The same Spirit the Spirit that inspired the apostles to write Scripture, help us to teach spiritual things to spiritual people. That's why only someone who has God's Spirit can understand spiritual blessings. You see what he's saying? The Holy Spirit has a twofold, twofold revealing work. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to the apostles who write inspired Scripture, and then the Holy Spirit is given to the church to help believers understand and apply Holy Scripture. It's a twofold work of the Spirit. And you can't understand the Scripture apart from the work of the Spirit. You can't understand the preaching of the Word of God apart from the work of the Spirit in your life. So, before we get into a little application, here's what we're trying to say God created us to know Him. We need to know Him because knowing Him is how we discover our place in His plan. Sin cut us off from the knowledge of God. God, however, has chosen to reveal Himself to us so that we can know Him. He reveals Himself generally through creation and conscience. But that revelation is not enough to restore us to a personal knowledge of God. Thankfully, the Father sent the Son to reveal what God looks like and through his life, death, and resurrection to make it possible for sinners to know God. And thankfully, the Father sent the Spirit to reveal the deep things of God, and he does that by inspiring Holy Scripture and illuminating the believer as she studies the Word of God. So do you want to know God? Study Scripture... In the power of the Spirit. Now that obviously been spending time in Scripture by ourselves, certainly does, but I want you to, to conduct a little thought experiment with me. What would this have meant for the Corinthians uh, 2,000 years ago? I mean, if they were listening closely, as in this letter would have been read in, in their house churches, if they were listening closely to this. And, and they connected with this idea that Paul is, is in this letter somehow bringing the, the mysteries of God to them and that by the Holy Spirit, the deep things of God can be revealed to them. The hidden secrets of God that were birthed before the dawn of time itself for their lives can be revealed to them when by the Spirit they are in the Scripture. If they got that, what would it have looked like in their practice? Well, the ways we do it weren't available to them. Obviously, there's no New Testament app like, like uh, uh, Austin had. There was no written scripture yet. Actually, most believers wouldn't have access to written scripture for 1,500 years. And even if there had been a written copy of the letter, and uh, one of the leaders might have had it, many of them couldn't read. So what were they supposed to do? Well, one of the things that's interesting about the ancient world is that it was a, an oral culture. While our world is a text culture, actually it's ceasing to be a text culture and becoming a digital culture. Some people would say that the transition from an oral culture to a text culture that happened with the invention of the printing press was a major epoch in, in human development And what we're experiencing right now as we move from text to digital is an equally major development. I don't know if that's true, but that's uh, what I read on the Internet. So um, (laughs) it must be true. Uh, John Walton, in, in, in a book called The Lost World of Scripture, says, Understanding the oral and manuscript galaxy of the biblical world before the watershed of print culture is essential for grasping how the Bible was written. Texts came into existence and were passed along differently in a world dominated by hearing. Brains were wired differently. Okay, so what do, what do you think the Corinthians did? They couldn't get up and have a quiet time. I think they got together in homes and, and a leader read from a scripture or a letter or perhaps even memorized the letter, which would have been much more common in oral culture, and said it out loud. And then they talked and prayed about it as a community. And they would have discerned the Spirit's mysteries, the Spirit's plans, the Spirit's wisdom, the Spirit's desires, as they, as a people, studied the Scriptures together. That would have been how an early Christian applied this text. Now, I'm sure there was private prayer and private devotions, but it wouldn't have been built around the Scripture because they didn't have it yet. Now, for me at least, that's kind of a new way of thinking about reading Scripture. I, normally, I would a sermon like this would, would drive me to tomorrow morning. It would, it, would, it would drive me to, to that wonderful privilege we have of getting up in the morning and putting on the coffee and getting on our journal and breaking up the word of God and, and having him speak to us. And I hope it drives you to do that. It should. But I don't think that was the primary application in the early church. The primary application would have been, get with your people Get with the people you're doing life with. Crack open the word of God. Be in prayer. And together, discern the Spirit's movement in and around your lives together. Now, I've heard a couple of examples of this recently. I just thought I would throw out. And I probably got the details wrong. Um, The Monday night Exodus study. Monday night in the chapel, there's a Bible study. There's going to be another one coming up at the Otis's house uh, another night of the week. We'll tell you about that during announcements. But a Monday night, a group of people have been studying Exodus together for about 18 months. When they finished Exodus, they decided to take some time and get together. and, And each night, one or two people talk about their own Exodus. How God's delivered them and what he's delivered them into. And last week, in two different meetings, two different people said their whole life had been rearranged because of being in that community, reading that scripture together. See, something happens when you start to read scripture with your people together. Second example. Uh, There's something going on over in Mechanicsville, I don't know what you call it, a lot of young people from a number of churches have recently moved into Mechanicsville. A lot of folks have been there in our congregation for many years. But these young people started a Bible study. And and there is a, a gifted young Bible teacher uh, named Philippe. And uh, he started to teach the Word. There's a wonderful worship leader. And he was playing on, on the bass tonight. And there's a bunch of other godly young folks. And they all got together. They said, we just want to study Scripture together. And then they, then they ran into a huge problem. People started coming. And it went from 15 to 20 to 25 to, you know, towards 30, and it didn't fit in their house anymore. And and, and 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 as this is happening, people are starting to show up in the neighborhood and move into the neighborhood. And and, and they're starting to wonder, what is going on in our neighborhood? What do we do? How do we structure this? And, and whole lives are being turned upside down as this little community gets into the Word and studies it together. Oh, it's a mess. They're all very anxious about it. Uh. but it's what happened when you approach the scriptures that way. One other, Park Ridge study. A number of Park Ridge families started gathering for prayer and scripture reading every day. Uh, They share share a meal together once a week. And as they are in the scripture and as they are praying, the spirit is revealing the deep things of God. I'm getting emails. Can we take a walk? Can we, can we pray? Something's stirring over here, Doug. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, we want to we walk into it with the rest of the church. Something's happening. That's what happens. This is dangerous stuff. It's also good stuff. Well, here's kind of two, a thought and a question that I have as we end this tonight. If, if, if this is really true, that one of the ways that you and I discern the deep things of God for our lives, in addition to a good quiet time, is that you find your people, and you crack open the scripture, and in prayer and listening, you let them speak. If that's God's plan for us, then here's what I'm trying to figure out. There's probably 30 different expressions of people groups in our congregation. Some of you are going through books of the Bible. Some, A lot of you are, are getting my Sunday afternoon uh, discussion questions and you talk about the sermon. Uh, I would love to know what the Spirit is saying to you. And honestly, I don't know how to do that. But maybe that's something you could think about. I just wonder if... As you're in your group, and you're wrestling with Scripture, and you're in your group, and you're wrestling with Scripture, I wonder if there are common themes that come up that relate to the body as a whole that we ought to know about. And then, this is just a thought. You know, we've got this retreat coming up this week, and we've called it the Invited Retreat. We've talked a little bit about it. Essentially, it's it's a time to be together in God's Word. Kent is a really solid Bible teacher. He's going to go over the whole story of God. He's going to talk about the Trinity and how it affects how we love and relate to each other. Uh, I just was talking to him Friday about it. I'm really, really excited about it. And I have this hunch that as we go through that retreat together and do something, we I don't know if we, we don't do this much as a body, where we take a whole weekend, Friday night, all day Saturday till 5 o'clock, and we sit under Scripture together, I wonder if the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some of the deep things of God to us. I think he's going to speak.